bring some stuff in from the past few weeks a, a little bit. So do you remember when we talked about what Christians means? What's the term for little Christs? Do you remember that? Little, little Christs. We're not the big Christ, we're the little Christs. And this idea of being called teacher, which we find in Matthew, it says, don't be called teacher. The idea of teacher and, and their light, their world, was being referred to as a great one, the great one. So when he says, don't be called teacher, he's saying, don't, don't refer to yourself or let people refer to you as the great one. You're little ones. There's only one great one. And Christians are supposed to be little Christs, yeah? Which I think is kind of cute, right? Little Christ always is a little Christ. But we think about what Jesus did. We're called to follow. Some of that isn't very cute. Some of it is hard. But we have one who shows us, who walks before us, who has walked, who has died, who has risen, that we might walk and die and rise again. Amen? Praise the Lord. Yeah. And we still struggle with this. <laughs> the gospel writer is instructing the church of their day and, and does it by reflecting Jesus' words on how not to live. So these teachers give the impression that they follow the rules, that they follow the law. That's what it means by sitting on Moses' seat. They talk the talk, Jesus says. They put on grand displays of piety and holiness. I wear thick prayer bands and I have long tassels always to say, look how holy I am. They crave and relish attention. They want the titles. They want the places of honor. They want people to see how good they are. But they don't do that for God. They seek to be great. There's only one great one. They love to be called teacher. The emphasis in the early church was not that any of us are great. We're all little Christs together. We're all on the same page, the same level playing field. We are all equally worthy, and we even call each other as sisters and brothers. Right? One father, one teacher. Yeah. We got to remember that God reigns and Jesus is Lord. And we need to be reminded of that because sometimes we like to think that we reign and then maybe I'm Lord. The greater we attempt to make ourselves, the lower we prove ourselves to be. We see that all the time, don't we? When you see someone talking about how great they are, you just kind of watch them shrink in your eyes, don't you? And in the same light, those who really do truly seek to live small or little, they're the ones you look to to be the example, aren't they? I mean, that's why we talk about saints, those people that walked before us, and you remember them. They may have been friends or family or just people that were in your life, and you watched them live in a beautiful, little, humble way of love, of justice. And they are the great ones, and we honor them today. The more we live among our neighbors, out there as sisters and brothers, that they are our sister and brother, the more we prove our faith in God as Father and Jesus as Lord. So that's the point that's being made in Matthew. Now Paul is kind of pointing some of this stuff out to the church in Thessalonica about how he and his companions serve others. Now it seems like Paul's lifting himself up, yes? We were blameless and we were just and we were humble. I love it when someone says, I'm the most humble person I know. 
So think about how he must have lived to write this and for it to be received. It's not that Paul's lifting himself up for, just, to, just to really prop himself up. He's lifting himself up to say, look, this is possible to follow Jesus, to serve Jesus as Lord. You saw it in us. And how incredible that he could say that and it be received. I don't know that I'm ready to say that to anyone. Look at me as if I really have this figured out. But that's what Paul does. But he always points to Jesus, doesn't he? He always points to God and everything that he says and all that he does. It's all about following the will and the way of God. But he always does it in order to serve others. Last week he talked about like a mother tenderly nursing her children. This week it's a father tending to his children in a loving way. Sometimes we don't feel very motherly or fatherly to others, do we? Or maybe we don't get the impression that our fellow brothers and sisters are being necessarily very motherly or fatherly to us in a way that is loving. Now, Paul and his companions, they made sure to preach the good news without placing a burden. A little history on this is when you travel around, you kind of set up shop wherever you were and you did your work, right? And you were there for a while. So Joseph, Jesus' dad, was a carpenter, right? He didn't have a shop called Joe's Shop, right? He traveled around and he would find work and he would live on the land that he was working on and they would take care of him and he might be there for months at a time, which, what do you know, he spent time in Bethlehem for a couple of years. Jesus was found in a house as a boy. Joseph was a carpenter. He traveled around. That's what they did. If you showed up in town, you had something to offer and you would offer it and then you'd be paid. That was kind of how it worked. But Paul says, look, we've shown up like other people show up with wisdom and words that can give you truth, but we're not asking you to pay us for that. We're going to do our job on the side and support ourselves because we're not going to burden you because we're not doing this gospel thing like everyone else. We're not expecting anything in return. We just want it to be a gift. Paul lived counter to the way of the world to drive the point home that the gospel is counter to the way of the world. He lived differently to demonstrate how the way of God was different. He says, we appealed, we encouraged, and we pleaded with you to live lives worthy of God. So let's talk about those three words, appealed or urged. To urge someone into the life of the gospel, it's to make a conscious effort to tell them of the love of God. Yes? It's not pushing them. It's telling them of the love in a way that's urgent. I want you to know this because the love of God is so amazing. I want you to have it now. Not for me, but for God and for you, which is what Paul did. They encouraged, encouraged. They didn't threaten them with torment, okay? They encouraged them. They found how God was already present, and they encouraged that flame. They fanned that flame, and they told of the good news to live differently. Encourage them into a better way of living life, which leads them not to a life of fear, but to a life of love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 
5. Yeah, the fruit of the Spirit. Think about that. Encouragement into that way of life. And then he pleaded. Now, the word for plead, uh, in the Greek, it, it contains the word martyr. Martyromenoi. <laughs> I don't even know if I said that right, but it sounds good. They pleaded or they witnessed. Martyrs, the word martyr is to witness. And we use that term for people that lived a witness and to the end. But he's saying we witnessed to you. We let our lives reflect our beliefs. We didn't just talk the talk. We didn't try to wear the biggest prayer bands and longest tassels. We didn't show up expecting you to pay us for what we had to offer. We just showed up to give it to you, and we showed up to love you like a mother and a father loves their children to be your brother and sister. And then they lived it. Paul and his companions, I bet, didn't dress very fancy. They didn't demand titles and honor. They didn't seek to be revered. They just simply live their faith in the common everyday actions. And that's what we're called to do. We are called to live faith in the common everyday actions. Now, this is counter to what a lot of us think. Because we still approach God as if God is wanting some grand offering or display. Yes, we have to live and shine the brightest and be the best or biggest little Christ we can be. And that's what God wants. No, you're trying to be great. Be little. We think that maybe God needs the ultimate sacrifice, right? If we're not leaving our jobs and just taking off to a third world country and setting up shop and giving of ourselves, we're not doing this right. Yeah, there are some people who are called to do that, but that doesn't mean everyone is called to do that. It's the common everyday life of the little, of the way of God. And God's not waiting to be wowed by a magnificent prayer. So the next time I say, does anyone feel led to prayer, you don't have to be like, oh man, I am not going to pray very well. You don't need to pray very well. That's not what we're looking for. Be little. Just walk humbly with God. Now, Paul uses a particular term to emphasize this. He says, we, we invite you to walk, to live a life. That's how the translation, uh, to follow God. But the word is parapateo. It's a fun word to say that, parapateo. Yeah, it means to walk about. That's what it means. Like walking about, right? Just walking about. Anything significant about this walk? Nope, I'm just walking about. It's translated to live. It doesn't mean to live some grand gesture. It means as you're doing your thing, walk in the way of God. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be grand. You do not have to be great. And this reminds me of the famous prophecy of Micah. Micah 6, 8. Or actually, I'm going to read a little more than just verse 8. But see, Micah is talking to God with what should I approach the Lord and bow down before the God on high? All right, see if you identify with this a little bit. God, should I come, should I come with entirely burned offerings with your old calves, specifically to the law in the perfect way? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and with many torrents of oil if I just give in this incredibly sacrificial way? Is that what you're looking for, God? Should I give my oldest child for my crime, the fruit of my body for the sin of my spirit? God, is that what you're desiring? And God has told you, human one, what is good and says, what the Lord requires from you is this, and if you know it, say it with me, to do justice, to embrace faithful love, and 
to walk humbly with God. Nothing grand. Do justice. Embrace faithful love and walk humbly. Peripateo, to walk about. Live your life. Live your walk. It's a very average thing, isn't it? Yeah, you might say it's little. Walking about, you know, in the, in the eyes of the Pharisees, it's special occasions and grand demonstration. We lift up saints today on this All Saints Sunday, and we remember them, remember those who have walked ahead of us, who just lived their life in the simple way, yes? Those who lived faithfully and gave us tangible examples on how to live in faith. And we all have someone, I hope. Someone you can follow in their footsteps. Maybe thinking about what it is to follow Jesus is intimidating. But think about the saint that you have in your life. Maybe it was a parent, a friend. I think sometimes we make this faith too hard. Does anyone else feel that way? We burden ourselves with impossible tasks as if we're to be perfect at all times. Now, if you could be perfect at all times, that'd be good, right? Newsflash, you can't. That doesn't mean we try not to be perfect at all times, all right? Children, young ones, older ones. Were these saints perfect in our lives? No, it was actually their imperfections that kind of made us feel like they were actually tangible people, right? Real people that we could look to. They were humans who lived a life in the light of God through Jesus. They sought to be simple, to do right or justice. To do right is another way to say that. To love others and to live or to walk about with humility. You say it's a common thing with our saints? Look to them and see how their examples continue to guide you today. Look to them for how they lived a life in response to Christ Jesus, who was their Lord and their teacher. The good news is this, my friends. Christ Jesus calls us into the kingdom of God and glory. Christ Jesus calls us to walk about with God right here and right now. Can we do that? Now, the the saints, they knew that it was not grand display that determines worth. It's more about how you live or maybe for whom you live or for what you live. So here are some examples for you if you're having trouble thinking of some. Um, how, How you can respond can be determined by how you act when you are at work. When your coworker says something, does something, or maybe it's just an average day. Or when your boss says something or does something. How about when you're in line at the grocery store and it's taken a little bit longer than you wished it would? Maybe how you respond to customer service when things don't go your way. Or in a conversation maybe about a topic where you don't 100% agree, or maybe you 100% disagree. Maybe how you respond is a little way of how you can walk for God. How you regard the people around you who just may need help. Maybe someone dropped something. Maybe someone seems hurt. They seem hurt or lost, and you can just stop and say, can I do something for you? You seem like you're hurt or lost. Can I, can I do anything? And if they say no, say, can I pray for you? And if they say no, say, would it be okay if I prayed for you later? You know, you, you, it doesn't have to be something grand. 
Maybe how you take a moment to see what is simply happening around you. You start the day off with, God, show me something. And then you walk outside and you sit for a second. Do I see anything here? Or you get in your car. People are driving. And you wonder, are there opportunities here to be loving? To be humble? I could stop right there for me. I got lots of times to be humble. Maybe you're at a restaurant and you see someone eating alone. And you ask them, you want want to join us? What's your name? It's no good to eat alone, right? Maybe you sit with that kid who eats alone at school and you risk what other people might say about you. Maybe you stop the conversation when it starts ranting about all the things people don't like about millennials. Maybe you stop the conversation. And millennials, maybe you take a moment to get to know someone older so that they can know who you are, not what people have to say about millennial. I hear that stuff all the time. cracks me up. Maybe it's the way we take care of widows. We have some, you know. Maybe you visit them, love on them, send them a card. What about orphans? I mean, Dave, I don't know if you read this, read my sermon before, but you you noticed two kids, and you're praying for them, and I'm guessing that other people are going to see them because God hears our prayers, and prayers make a difference. So maybe it's praying for an orphan. Maybe it's being patient with a kid who comes from a home where there's not a lot of love. Pam, did you read my sermon earlier? We talked about that a little bit. Maybe you take the time to get to know a young adult and even see if they come from a type of home where they experience love. And if not, you show it to them. The examples go on and on. This is your walk. It's our walk. So just go about your daily life, but do it differently. Do it as a little Christ. And in your common walking about, just look around and ask God, what do you have for me today, God? I'm yours today. Maybe I have an opportunity to urge or to appeal or to witness faith, to live as a little Christ, to live as a sister or a brother, to live as a servant who seeks to do justice, to love tenderly, and to walk humbly with God. Friends, respond to the call of Christ Jesus and experience eternal life with God here and now and forevermore. Amen? Amen.